Greetings and welcome back to another exciting installment of the Fifth Column podcast. This is your almost weekly rhetorical assault on the news cycle, the people that make it, and ourselves. This is uh, episode 49, recorded on the evening of March 17th, 2017. Uh, I'm Camille Foster of Freethink, and uh, a few brief words of warning. This program typically features respectful, nuanced, and well-informed commentary, strong language, obscure pop culture references, and spurious allegations. That was take three, and I nailed it. Nailed it. Like a bouse. See, but the problem is, is that now, you just told everyone that there were other takes they didn't hear, and you kept on <laughs> screwing okay. it up. Uh, yeah. This is, this is going to be a new thing. I'll keep telling okay. them that there are these things that they yeah. have never heard, that yeah. they will never hear the yeah. lost we episode. Should put out, we should, yeah, we played. should put out something like the Beatles yeah. did, where they a lost put out like the like, uh, you know, unreleased stuff. Yeah. It's like, you know, uh, this is lot. Get, get back, <laughs> take 41. We will, we will, yeah. we, uh, that is actually really good. Yeah, we, do that. we will force them to pay for a CD, <laughs> it, just an actual CD. No do you one realize how frequently anymore? we threaten our guests that we're going to make them pay for things? No, they, they actually want to. Oh, by the way, so many somebody of them said something on Twitter today, like, where can I send you booze? Um, and I was going to tell I gave, them. I gave him the address. Oh, shit, because then you That's intercept okay. it. I did. I was going to put on the Vice address, but I thought like maybe no, Vice would people just would get, get mad. They would just get drunk. Well, if they just put, they put my name on it, it would come to me. It, it wouldn't matter. I'm but sure anyway. they would steal there. Yeah. They're, they're, they're uh, speaking of booze, we're recording this on um, a day of celebration we are. in this uh, city, unfortunately. And I had forgotten about it because you come to Midtown Manhattan where we... We record this, and I, I was working today in Brooklyn, and I get off the subway, and it, the subway spits me out mm. into the chaos of Midtown Manhattan, and I see all these knuckle-dragging, hideous monsters drooling, all wearing green, mm. and I realized there was a mass cultural appropriation going on. Uh, you know, the sort of ethnic etymology of my last name. Yes. Moynihan, I'm, I'm a Mick. Um, and everyone <laughs> is going around and uh, and uh, drinking and, uh, you know, uh, besmirching the otherwise horrible name of my people. Wow. Uh, so, I mean, I just, I think this is a bad thing that <laughs> that once a year everyone gets drunk and says, oh, look at me, I'm Irish. But they don't only get drunk. I mean, they it's, like, in, it's like fair they enough, get into, They get into fights. Yeah, yeah, They true. vomit in the street. Uh, and they it, impede my passage on the sidewalk. Like, everything that last one was describing Irish people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they impede your passage, but it's like the drunk falling asleep, punching people. Yes. Like, pregnancy is... And, uh, so you're no, saying these aren't stereotypes, these are all true facts. No, no, I just wanted to say that I'm encouraging more sort of ethnic hatred holidays, because <laughs> this is the last one, and it's like if you spend time in Ireland, which I've done um, over the years, uh, I was a while, I was spending a lot of summers in Kinsale, mm. a beautiful, beautiful Kinsale in beautiful County Cork. Um, but if you go outside, if you go to like Limerick, I was like, Limerick sounds nice, doesn't yeah. it? Limerick, a lot of rhymes and cleverness, and I go to, go to Limerick. And I'm like, I'm going up to Limerick, and like, oh, I don't go to f- fucking Limerick, mate. That's, fuck- that's fucking Stab City. They literally call it Stab City. They go there, and everyone's wearing tracksuits. Yeah. Do you know this about Irish people? No. And so they all wear athletic. Well, actually, I've seen that in in like in, in films. Yeah, yeah, it's right? true. Like so the, basically, the departed and stuff. Like well, they're always wearing. Well, that's Boston, but close enough. It's kind of the same kind thing. Of, I mean, it's not the same. I mean, place. They're trying. They're aspiring to be scumbags from Ireland. <laughs> Just be scumbags from Massachusetts. But no, they they all wear tracksuits, and and literally. Um, it's amazing because like no one looks like they've ever done any 
ath- anything athletic in their life, but they're all wearing athletic gear, which yeah. to me is like drawing attention to the fact that they're out of shape. And they're all like smoking cigarettes and they have these Caesar haircuts yeah. and their gold yeah. chains. And they're, and they're, they're and everyone thinks like there's like people in roll neck sweaters. Like, <laughs> hi, let me tell you a fucking story. It's like, no, no, they're actually beating you up and. And like molesting you, it's in, and so then I see this in Midtown, and I'm like, oh shit, that's like that's actually fairly accurate. So uh, you know, hurra- I was going to start this by saying, don't defame my people, and about three syllables in, I'm like, yeah, that seems about right. So happy St. Patrick's Day! I have an enormous can of Narragansett. Wow, from uh, I believe Rhode Island. That's close, beautiful. Close to where I grew up. That's a beautiful story. I mean, I grew up. In you, you know what I didn't anyway. do? Yeah. I didn't say that you are Michael Moynihan, national mm-hmm. correspondent of HBO's Vice News Tonight, and sure. I didn't. Uh, sort of ridicule Matt Welch for not being here today. What a piece of shit he is. The editor at large. <laughs> sorry. At large yeah. of, at Reason Magazine. Also at large from this podcast today. Well, Although, you know an editor at large means, means, means an editor who doesn't do anything. Yeah, well, not be here. Yeah, when that's he's a supposed retired to, editor. Damn it. Yeah. But that's okay. That's okay. We don't we don't need him. Um there there is there is much happening in the uh, in the universe today. Yeah. Uh, Angela Merkel, Chancellor wow. of Germany. She nice may may done. may still be in the country. She she met with uh, Donald Trump today. Um, so there, there may be some, some news there. Um, mm. One of the various things that was talked about uh, during their uh, press conference afterwards, after the uh, awkward non-handshake photo situation. Yeah, that was pretty good. Um, that was pretty good. <laughs> if you haven't seen this, look it up. Uh, a bunch of people in the press corps are like, I don't know if they're from like Der Spiegel or something. Like, yeah. Give us a handshake. Give us a handshake. <laughs> and so she's like, looks over and she said, do you want to have the handshake or whatever? I don't know what she's saying. And it's subtitled on the thing. And Trump, like the sociopath that he is, has <laughs> his elbows on his thighs. Yeah. And he's just lurched forward and does nothing. It looks like the batteries came out of him or something. He doesn't. He didn't understand her through her accent. That's what it is. Is that right? I mean, you know what would have been worse? If yeah. he had like sicked his dog on her the oh, way the like Putin. Vladimir Putin does. Got to admit, you that told me about this before we started and I, and yeah. I hadn't heard of it. That's Which is crazy to yeah, me. It's yeah. shocking to me that you haven't heard it. Well, tell the well, listeners. Well, it, also, it also makes me believe can that, you, can that you it tell might not be true. No, it is. Yes. Yeah. Well, Vladimir Putin, well, no. Here's what we know. Vladimir Putin meets with Angela Merkel uh, in, in Russia <laughs> and she is apparently legendarily afraid of dogs. Mm. So, of course, Vladimir Putin, knowing this because he is a former KGB, once you're KGB, KGB, you're always KG, KGB, mm. and uh, he has a dog in the room. It is a massive black Labrador <laughs> retriever who the is, photos are great. is prowling the room. But labs, yeah. labs never look aggressive. I've never seen a mean lab. But and this people are lab scared is of dogs. Fat. Are scared of dogs. Yeah. Yes, this yeah. is true. And you can see in the photos, <laughs> it definitely looks like she is sort of uh, pulling back from this dog. He puts his huge head in her lap, and she doesn't. Touch and her him. hands are far away from him. I mean, she's also German. So yeah. Well, she's she doesn't smile until the dog is seated. Again, like, she's on also her German. <laughs> Not yeah. a smiley people. <laughs> <laughs> I suspect there was always also peanut butter like underneath yeah, the seat. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he responded you know. to this charge, and there are a, a pair of headlines that I saw. It was yeah. like, Putin claims he didn't bring dog into press conference <laughs> to scare Merkel. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what were the other Why press conferences? Why was your dog lurking? Yeah, yeah, like what were the other press conferences where there were Putin and dogs? That's yeah. the only one I've seen. That doesn't happen often. Not it doesn't really. happen often that dogs wander in during press conference. And that didn't happen this time. What yeah. did wander in um, was a bunch of journalos. And they had yeah. very serious questions <laughs> from wandered Mr. In. Are they going to say Donald Trump, Trump wandered in? <laughs> well, What's he was, he was there. Yeah. That's kind of his job to be yeah. there yeah. Um, when he's not at Mar-a-Lago. Um, but he, they wandered in and they were asking uh, tough questions about wiretaps. And mm. we are talking about wiretaps again because yeah. uh, 
There was new news on that. But before we get there, um, there's other stuff happening as well. Uh, uh, but, travel but, ban 2.0 sure. thrown out by a uh, judge in Hawaii. Maybe we'll talk about that. Maybe we won't. Yeah. Uh, the uh, new Trump budget has materialized and is uh, Sterling budget is being is. debated. <laughs> yes. uh, we, we should talk about that. Sure. And um, there, there's, a, there's an a article couple, in, the, in the New York Times that I want to talk about. Yeah, so, we, uh, maybe we'll we start can, with that. But, but it's funny, just on the over. Merkel thing, yeah. it's funny that uh, we, we tend to forget – the unbelievable breaking news from about a year ago in which it was revealed that we were listening to uh, Merkel's phone calls. Yeah. So I think that it's it's rather funny that they're they're peppering him with questions about this fantasy that he's being listened to by, <laughs> you know, m- most people when they say, oh, this guy's listening to me, you're just like, you know, give him a bus ticket and like, you know, a 40 and like say, get out of here because he's a madman. But this one also happens to be our president. Uh, no evidence, of course, <laughs> for this in any way. We'll get back to that with the... Uh, Judge Napolitano comments, uh, somebody who both you and I know, um, and uh, I like him a lot. He's, I, he's, I like he's, him, too. He's dead wrong about this, I think, but we'll get back to that. Mm-hmm. But on to this piece. You pointed this out to me, so uh, what is it? Tell me about it. Well, I, I don't want to mispronounce this guy's last name. So. you want me to do it for you? Yeah, yeah. You, do you want me to mispronounce you, it for you? You mispronounce his name. The, uh, the, the title of this article, this is uh, The Rise of Paranoid Citizen. The of Rise the of the Paranoid Citizen. citizen. This is uh, uh, from Ivan, the New York Times yeah. today. Uh, Ivan or Ivan Krustev, yeah, who um, I had previously uh, never heard of, but um, he is the chairman of the Center for Liberal Strategies, um, which is apparently something in Vienna. Yeah, uh, it's one of the you know these interchangeable groups in, in Europe, the Center for Something Strategies and. And he's also a fellow at the Institute for Human Sciences, which, which sounds like that fun. Seinfeld thing of the Human Fund. Yeah, well, he, sounds he's fake. He's some a political science expert of yeah. some sort. Um, and, yeah, and that is a that is a human science. I suppose that makes sense. It's like the uh, behavioral sciences. Sure. Um, and this uh, this piece stood out to me um, because, but for a fundamental flaw in the piece, um, it would be, I think, very almost perfect. Um, but, but I'll, I'll, I'll sort of, I don't know how we're going to do this. Cause usually this is the sort of thing that we would revisit at the end. Um, mm. but I think that it actually has some interesting context in it. Uh, and there's the, a lot of good jumping off points. Yeah. For this, yeah. yeah. The, the, so maybe we'll skim this, um, quickly, but you should definitely read it. Um, but the, uh, there's, it sort of begins, um, the last line of first paragraph, conspiracy theories have replaced ideologies at the heart of politics. They mobilize people to take to the streets. They connect political leaders to their followers. They decide the outcomes of elections. Uh, and it continues a little further down um, with what is sort of the, the, the heart stopper here. Um, new communications technologies, social media in particular, and the hermetic media bubbles they create are probably responsible for the spread of conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. Um, That is, uh, I think, folk wisdom and probably wrong, but I'll Mm -hmm. I'll continue. Mm -hmm. Um, But the vexing question is not why people are ready to believe almost anything these days. I agree with that completely. Camille annotation there. (laughs) (laughs) But but here's, here's where it gets weird. But the vexing question is not why people are ready to believe almost anything these days, but how political identities built around shared conspiracy theories rather than shared ideologies are changing the internal logic of democracy and the ability of citizens to hold their leaders accountable. There's something in that, by the way, that he kind of goes in a, the wrong direction about the kind of stability of democracy. But I think it's, it is interesting when somebody says that 
you know, the groupings of people in, in, in political ways that are now lurching towards conspiratorial groupings. And that's actually interesting because you have a lot of people on the far left and the far right who are coming together in a great sort of explosion of stupidity now via shared conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. And whether it is in the kind of Trump world of, you know, free trade conspiracy theories or trade conspiracy theories, if it's about uh, Russia, you know, the Jill Stein... Uh, the, as everyone remembers, the soon forgotten Green Party candidate was sitting, you know, a foot away at that RT dinner from Mike Flynn, the now cashiered mm -hmm. uh, uh, former uh, Trump apparatchik. And you see a lot of this stuff is that the, the left and the right coming together on conspiracy theories and not on conspiracy, like not on ideological grounds, but there are shared conspiracy theories with different outcomes, right? Sure. I mean, so the, the essential thing is that, you know, uh, Stephen F. Cohen from The Nation magazine will be more likely to uh, side with the Russians regardless of whether or not it's a kind of religious, revanchist, conservative Russia, as Vladimir Putin's, or if it's Brezhnev era Russia. Sure. There's an instinct there on the far left. And on the right, especially when it when it when it comes to Russia, I mean, there is a new populist streak in which there are similar goals. So Russia and the United States and the the sort of Trumpkins want to see, for instance, the breakup of the European Union. Yeah, they for probably for different reasons, but they all want the kind of same goal here. And the the goal for the Russians is, you know, the European the European Union puts sanctions on Russia. It's very difficult when all these this entire landmass is fractured, and you know Front National in France or Jurt Wilders, who just uh, did less well than expected in the election in Holland, would pull their countries out of the European Union, be friendlier to Russia. But there's not one entire mass that is going to punish them. Right. So they want that cracked up. The United States likes it for its own reasons, but there is that commonality that keeps coming down. And that's why people say, oh, you know, ideology doesn't mean anything anymore. It's kind of true, but it, there, I think there's something to his piece that there's a lot of conspiracy theorizing that is bringing people together that otherwise wouldn't have been pals or friends. Well, it, well, it's bringing together different groups of people, but I think there's a couple of things here. I mean, the first thing is, um, this perspective on ideologies. He, he acknowledges later in the piece that ideologies have certainly caused their share of difficulty uh, when yes, it comes to century. states, like sort <laughs> yeah. of starting wars. The entire um, 20th century. Over ideology, world wars, in yeah. fact. Um, so there's, there's that to worry about. Um, but more than that, I think, is the fact that there is oftentimes very little difference between mm. political ideology and conspiracy theory mm. um, in really important and meaningful senses. Um, and there is a sense in which uh, conspiracy theories or loosely or not at all informed beliefs about the real world um, and the reason why it operates in the way it does yeah. um, are kind of a thing and sort of always have been. Yes. I am not certain when people talk about the, as he describes it, internal logic of democracy, I'm not sure what they mean and I don't know how to interpret it. But certainly when I look back at the history of the United States and I think about um, Various various periods of time. It's hard to discover one when there were not dominant conspiracy theories that were sure. heavily influencing the course of public policy. And what what do I mean when I say that? Um, so it's the it's the horrible, heartless profiteers that are responsible for driving up the cost of healthcare and driving up the cost of education, primarily because they are greedy or exclusively because they're greedy. Now that's soft, right? 
but then there was McCarthyism can, can at I, some point in the past. The, yeah. the, the money interests, the, the trusts in the 1920s sure. um, and before, actually. Um, we, have, we have always lived with conspiracy theories of different sorts. But, um, but, but I'm going to stop and, you, and, and, make you and make you define your terms a Go for bit. it. Go for it. Because, I mean, there is a difference, I think maybe, uh, you know, like a qualitative difference between conspiracy theory on, on one hand, and uh-huh. we have to define what that is, sure. and historical revisionism, or, sure. or stuff that, that is, you know, wrong for a variety of reasons, and people take that wrong tact for, that's, for, that's entirely fair. for ideological reasons. I mean, um, Matt Welch, who um, was going to maybe join us uh, via phone, is at a dinner tonight. And I'm going to be vague about this, so I can't. I'm not telling tales out of school here. <laughs> but he said he was talking to someone before, and there was a whole bunch of people, um, and they were talking about the stab in the back theory of the expansion of NATO. Uh-huh. Uh, that's just not true, and it's something that's pushed by the Kremlin, and it's something that's been pushed by people that were opposed to ex- uh, NATO expansion. There's an enormous amount of evidence that would suggest that this isn't true, but it's kind of in the middle. He said he also had a conversation about Salvador Allende, which is a which is a you know the 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 uh, democratically elected social the social democrat um, from Chile who was overthrown in 1973 by Salvador Allende, and it's become sort of uh, received wisdom that the United States was responsible for this. Were they? Well, that's a complicated question, and I think it's less simple than people make it out to be. But there was certainly interference, and that that was just kind of de rigueur at the time. Is that a conspiracy theory? Well. I don't know. I tend to to, to to group these things in, you know, 9-11 was an inside job. Sure. Not even a shred. I, I'm not saying sure. I agree. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm, yes. Yeah. As in go I on. Gonna, I thought you were going to say, it's the Jews. <laughs> oh, my God. As in go on. <laughs> I'm just going to unplug your mic. Yeah, go ahead. Um, that kind of stuff, that kind of conspiracy theory has become slightly more mainstream. And I think that there is a way of distribution, which might have been different. If you look at Ron Paul's old newsletters, which became a big, do, big story. Do we have to? No, but I'm, I'm not about the content of this. Yeah. But it, it was the distribution of those. There were newsletters. You had to go to some sort of conference. You had to go to some sort of... Uh, you didn't passively uh, you know, encounter something like that in the past. Yeah. You can passively encounter it now. I mean, there's, there are m- many more people that believe weird things now, I suspect than there were 50 years ago. And the reason for that is, it, I do, I think well, that's true. I don't know, I think that I don't people know were, how true that is. I think people believed all manner of weird things. So, I mean, ago. you know, I could, look, take Holocaust denial. It's a good yeah. example of this. In the past, there was, you know, organizations, these, uh, what was it, Institute for Historical Review, uh-huh. um, a guy named Mark Weber, crackpot in L.A., who recently died, Peace be upon him. I'm joking because he was a scumbag. Uh, uh, him, for instance, people like David Irving. And that was basically wrapping a dog's pill in cheese. I mean, David Irving wrote these books that were published by mainstream publishers and would kind of pepper some things in there. And then later he became a full-blown kind of Holocaust denier. But you really had to seek that stuff out. I think the passive um, kind of communication with these ideas, that the back and forth that people have with these ideas that they otherwise never would have come in contact with mm-hmm. is, is different these days. What impact that does that have is a different question. I think if people say, well, you know, I heard, uh, there was a, a, an example of this recently. Oh my God, this is a great one. A friend of mine, brilliant friend of mine, is not politically engaged. Um, I grew up with, um, very smart, very successful, said something about the, uh, the, the white helmets 
mm-hmm. which is a group in Syria that pulls yeah. people out of the rubble and stuff. There's been a number of really disturbing, uh, nasty, uh, fake attacks on them by people who are basically pro-Assad stooges. And they're, they're U.S.-based and British-based. They're people like Max Blumenthal, et cetera. And this woman said, oh, the, it was nominated. There's a documentary about them. There's on Netflix. It was nominated for something. And she said, well, yeah, you know, they're full of shit, though. It's completely fake. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, oh, I saw this thing on Facebook. And this is a very educated person, by the way. And it was like made this argument. She had, does not have the tools and the equipment <laughs> to judge whether or not this is true. The mental but for faculties. Some, some, I mean, she's very smart, but just it's the sort of the, the aptitude is, is slightly different. She just had taken this in through her pores and was like really skeptical and say, oh, it's bullshit. That is something that she would have never come into contact with, you know, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. You used to have to be ideological and seek out the stuff about the Sandinistas in the 80s. Sure. Uh, the Christic Institute and these people that would, would do these, these uh, things about, you know, Reagan's war in, Senate, in Nicaragua, et cetera. You know, the active measures that the KGB did during the 60s, 70s, 80s, et cetera, I mean, all, all the way back to 1922, is, was basically stuff of trying desperately to get drop stuff into newspapers. And they'd have sources that have friendly journalists at the Guardian, a guy like Richard Gott, for instance, at the Guardian, and they would pass them information that was basically untrue, fake documents, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And that stuff now is, you know, a lot easier. Like it's harder to pass it through journalists these days, by the way. It's easier to check for them. But it's also well, it depends easy. Depends on the journalist. Depends on the journalist. <laughs> uh, and, and, there's, and it's also, on the other hand, it's easier to, to disseminate it. Through state media outlets, well, the, well, I mean, yeah, we never had it's... access to 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 Pravda when in 1970. But now people have RT on the on Twitter and on their website and on especially on YouTube, they have a huge following. So people think it's a different news source. It's an all. It's just an alternative news source. Sure. So yeah, I, I think I'd it's easier to true. spread that stuff. Now. Well, it's it's at a minimum, it is easier for these for these things to go global. Right. Yeah. So that that is that is easier. Um, But there's a couple of things. First, um, for all of the talk of fake news um, and for all the talk of sort of the role of Facebook and helping to to propagate them and and people seeing them on the Internet. um, Most of the studies that I've looked at related to this suggest that people would oftentimes see the title and would dismiss most of these fake news stories out of hand. Um, Yeah. And by the way, just to clarify, uh I did point out that I, I don't know. I think the dissemination of this stuff is different. I think that there's differences between, sure. but I don't know the impact. But continue. Sure. sure. So, so that's one thing. And the second thing is, yeah, technologically, these things are, are able to spread faster. But, you know, historically, like we've actually seen plenty of examples of, of stories about things that are not true. Um, that have sort of spread throughout the ether and the zeitgeist. I mean, the, there is a, a piece at Ozzy that was not all that interesting, but the title of it was, um, let me see here, is, the, is this German novel the deadliest book in history? Uh, and it's about a 1774 German novel called The uh, the Sorrow of Young Werther, Werther, which I have not read. It's Goethe. Come on, man. Yeah. Well, I haven't read it. He, but, he drowns it. Yeah. Okay, but, go the, ahead. Yeah. but the reason why yeah. this is a story yeah. is because there was a belief that there was a wave of suicides inspired sure. by the book. Sure. I should yeah. have said spoiler alert, but yeah. I didn't. Yeah. Um, and this is just one example of the many mass panics and delusions. There is actually a book about this yeah. that you can go get um, that talks about witch trials and various other things and, and people sort of offing themselves um, or taking other drastic and dramatic measures because of phony beliefs that are informed by fake facts. Mm-hmm. The, the difference is certainly true that these things can sort of take flight faster. Also true that rebuttals can be weaponized and dispersed sure. pretty quickly as well. 
in either case, what I mean when I talk about conspiracy theories to sort of return to to the theme of this and then perhaps pivot to to the broader set of sort of topics and stories that I think kind of fall under this awning today um, is is sort of a couple of broad categories of things. And, and perhaps I should be a little more precise with my language. Um, but it, it certainly includes just nonsense beliefs um, about conspiracies because there are plenty of people who have always believed in those things. Um, as that's as, a different as type. demonstrated. As, yeah. No, no. Well, I mean, like actual nonsense conspiracies, like sure. informed by goofy beliefs. Yeah. Um, well, those are conspiracy. Donald Trump. Yeah. Donald Trump works for Vladimir Putin, um, and similarly, Barack Obama is actively or was actively ordering surveillance of Donald Trump. Uh, via some sort of intelligence gathering organization. It is possible that some evidence will show up to justify that claim. I haven't seen it. Um, yeah. but, we'll, but we'll get into the veracity of those things. But, but there are various other things, like Ted Cruz's dad participating uh, in the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Just asking um, questions. Or, <laughs> or Barack Obama being born in Kenya. Yeah. Uh, again, conspiracy yeah. theories believed by people. But there's, there's the other category of thing, which is people believing that they know things, believing that they have uh, sort of facts about the universe, and that that is what is informing their ideological beliefs. And mm. for me, I think the fact that oftentimes those ideological beliefs are loosely loosely supported um, at best, um, and that oftentimes the way in which they manifest themselves um, isn't particularly serious. I mean, it's, it's imperative to recognize that that is the way in which um, the, the, the decision-making faculty of most Americans, like, that's it. And to the extent we're leveraging democracy to make decisions, like, that's kind of how it works. Think, it's always yeah. kind of crude, and it's always... It's always um, it's always sort of ugly. So I'm, I don't say that for sort of the nihilistic purpose of suggesting that nothing is good and nothing good can happen. Um, I think what I'm trying to do is find some some footing here to have this broader conversation about yeah. sort of the state of our politics yeah. in the wake of Donald Trump and in the wake of this wiretapping scandal. Uh, yeah, that I think has been that. Yeah, and on. I think that the one the, the sort of uh, distinction with a difference and the differentiation I would make. Yeah. is there's a difference between the the conspiracy theorist and somebody believing in conspiracy theory. Yes, Cons- conspiracy theorists will believe anything that suits a kind of worldview that they have. Totally you know, true. like Alex Jones will believe anything you tell him. Yeah. So I had a debate with him about this, and 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 I did a piece, and I've mentioned this a few times. Because um, I'm working on a longer thing, so it's actually one of the last things I did. But on the HBO Go app, there is an extra scene, which if you go to find the Alex Jones thing that I did, there's an extra scene that's kind of buried in there. And it's Alex Jones and I talking about the, and I think I might have even mentioned this on the show, uh, the murder of um, Russia's ambassador to Turkey. Mm. It happened that morning, or the, pre- the previous night. Uh-huh. And Alex Jones is on the show talking about how it was a NATO setup. And that, you know, he had evidence of it and sources and, and you know, uh, Vladimir Putin even acknowledged it. And so there's an extra scene of me debating him on this. And it's very bad to debate conspiracy theorists Super because bad. they are yeah. immune to information and immune to facts. And they don't they have this thing, kryptonite when it comes to that. And so I said, how could you know this? It just happened. And I was just leading up to the point of like, look, man. You you it's you've cooked the books. It's always a conspiracy, and that's a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. 
and they like the secret knowledge. It gives and empowers them in a way when the person is at the dinner party and you're talking about, you know, um, you know, Zarqawi or you're talking about bin Laden and there's somebody kind of smirking at the end of the table, <laughs> nodding knowingly but stupidly. I've seen and, that guy. You know, and says like, yeah. oh, you believe that? Yeah. There is, a, there is a certain kind of psychological thing that conspiracy theorists love because they think they have the secret knowledge yeah. and they're going to show you and be like, Oh, you believe that it sort of elevates them in yeah, that way yeah, that you're yeah. you're part of the sheeple. No, that's that's a thing. And then and sure. then the other thing on the other hand is is just believing in individual conspiracies, and a lot of that is informed, and and there's some overlap here too. But a lot of that is informed by ideology. You're more likely to believe that Benghazi was a series of X, Y, and Z. I mean, I never. I lost the thread on that one so quickly because it got so <laughs> bananas. Um, I don't even know if it amounts to a conspiracy theory, but it seemed the people who were promoting it certainly yeah. seemed like conspiracy theorists. But there is an individual ones that you believe. Like so, there were people on the kind of pro, I'll say pro-Soviet, or so I'll say people that were softer on the Soviet Union than than I guess you know the hawks on the right that that said, oh my God, this guy who tried to uh, kill the Pope in uh, 1980, a Turkish guy who mm-hmm. was uh, supposedly a member of this right wing organization called the Grey Wolves, that he that he was uh, just an independent actor. He was a right wing, blah blah blah. And there are people on the right who can marshal some pretty convincing circumstantial evidence too that it was a something that was ordered through the Bulgarian KGB. That's right. Basically, that's basically the argument. Right. And both sides have compelling things, but but they seem like conspiracy theories because you're saying this kind of shadowy state took out the Pope who was supporting yeah. Yeah, solidarity yeah. in Poland. Yeah. But I, does that amount to a conspiracy theory? I, it's hard to draw those lines because, you know, invisible magnetic planes flew into the <laughs> World Trade Center and they, they you know, yes, no, Barbara I, I Olson is at a camp somewhere in Guatemala yeah. is is insane. It's materially different. And and, right? and perhaps and perhaps I could label Roger it like, Stone is a conspiracy theorist and he's sure. an insane person. Well, Donald Trump is, an, is a conspiracy theorist. And he's an insane person. <laughs> yeah. but, but perhaps I could label it like ideological um in in transigence um which is actually also it's confirmation there's also, bias, there's also a piece of this is just ideological fluidity yeah um which is to say that the uh the people who are super uh fiscal conservatives um are often the same people who are willing to uh sort of simultaneously cut taxes talk about cutting spending and never really doing it um except in a very narrow space uh that is perhaps inconsequential to the way we're actually yeah. seeing budget um, spending grow, uh, which is a tease for the, ter- the Trump budget stuff. But to mm. make a firm firm turn, and, and part of the reason I, I said this is because I don't want you to despair um, in a unique way when we talk about this goofiness with the president. Um, and and by you, I'm talking to you, Michael Moynihan. Oh, um, I think I think it's I think it's it's. I thought that was the royal you of our listeners. Sad. Yeah, them too. Uh, it's sad and it's and it's terrible and it's awful. But this is a this is a scandal that began like so many other Trump scandals. Yeah. Uh, Trump tweets out um, on March 4th. Sure. Terrible. Just found out Obama had my quote wires tapped in Trump Tower just before the victory. Nothing found. This is McCarthyism. Exclamation point. Hmm. Uh, that is at 635 mm-hmm. in the morning on mm-hmm. uh, on March 4th. That is the way most of these scandals start. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the sort he of also doesn't know scandal. what McCarthyism is, but go ahead. Well, of course not. Yeah. Um, but press secretary, Sean Spicer, um, who honestly, look, he's, he's often lying, but mm-hmm. damn it. I mean, that, 
it almost seems like when I'm watching him do it that he yeah. believes the things that he's doing when he is spinning, respinning, deflecting, respinning, and spinning anew a totally different line, which is precisely what happened after this. Initially, Sean wouldn't talk about it. He's going to wait for this investigation to happen. He continues to get questions about a an obviously spectacular claim um, that <laughs> they have provided zilch evidence for. Yeah. Um, but you know this this continues on, um, and for a while. You know, investigations start to spin up. It looks like they want this to be a part of the broader Russia investigation that's taking place in Congress. Um, And this had sort of just gone on for a while. This was the week that the Justice Department was supposed to come um, provide Congress with some sort of explanation of the president's position. Um, And it sounds like today, again, Friday, um, there was something provided to Congress today. Sure. um, But we don't quite know what it is yet. And on Monday... Uh, Comey is going to be testifying before Congress to talk about this. Um, but all of this happens in the same week that uh, one Judge Napolitano, guy sure. that we both know, uh, goes on Fox and Friends, I believe, in the morning. He didn't talk about the Constitution, uh, yeah. sadly. I wish yeah. he had. Um, he, uh, he instead goes on to explain that there is, in fact, um, there are multiple sources, according to him, um, that Fox that have come to Fox News and have told him, or Fox News is, is what he claimed, um, that the president, then President Obama, was actually using British intelligence services in order to monitor Donald Trump, mm-hmm. and that it was likely that many people in the intelligence community who were saying they don't have any evidence of this, they haven't heard anything about this, were telling the truth, because by so doing, the president could circumvent. Um, could circumvent the the intelligence the domestic intelligence community and do something without American fingerprints on it. And that is how he was surveilling Donald Trump. For him, the case was definitive. And what made this more interesting is that several days later, actually, Spicer quotes Napolitano in a press conference mm-hmm. and in quoting him, creates uh, an international incident. Sure. Uh, there is apparently some sort of apology, although it's Spicer been kind of it. sort of re- retracted at yeah. this point. It was reported, I think, um, in the Telegraph when they said that, that they reached out and, uh-huh. and, and apologized to GCHQ and to the British government. Right. And uh, now uh, Sean Spicer denied that that happened. So, and today, uh, when asked about it um, in the, uh, in the, the presser, uh, with uh, Chancellor Merkel, uh, President Trump uh, makes a joke uh, alluding to the fact that Angela Merkel was, in fact, um, sort of snooped upon uh, by the uh, by by intelligence Yeah, I meant uh, when I said that before. I meant to say it wasn't addressed, yes. but it was. Yeah, it was. It was ju- he joked. Never play it. audio. Of it yeah, she yeah. she didn't she didn't yeah. uh, she didn't laugh uh, quite as hard um, yeah. as the yeah. uh, as the press did. Because I'm sure she was shocked when she found <laughs> out that if, that she was being spied on. Um, kind of how it goes, but yeah. yeah. Well, she did feign outrage. Um, yeah, of course. On, on that, uh, yeah. when when this was released, allies and this was as a allies. consequence of the, jo- of the uh, of the Edward Snowden leaks. Um, but you know to. To end with the background and to sort of finish where we are today, um, Trump deflects in the meeting um, in the press conference and says, look, you, should, you guys should go talk to, uh, to Judge Knapp about this. Yeah. Um, we're in a place where plenty of people are severely outraged by this. Um, the, there, there are, in fact, investigations. There's been virtually no one. Um, who's come out, um, who has talked about this, uh, not intelligence uh, committee members um, who have been investigating this, um, not various members of the intelligence community. 
Um, Clapper, for example, was asked about this and said he didn't know anything about it, although, I mean, Clapper has uh, has lied in, uh, yeah. in various contexts yeah, before, yeah, but yeah. who knows, whatever. Um, in either case, and not a lot of evidence to support this thing. Um, uh, just as you were talking, by the way, I yeah. just want to say as you were talking, um, to place this in time, I mean, this uh-huh. is Friday night uh, at 8.45, uh-huh. uh, CNN breaking news tweet that a classified DOJ report to House and Senate investigators does not confirm Trump's wiretapping claims, sources say. Interesting. Uh, not surprising, but yeah, um, yeah but continue. Yeah. Well, well, this is where it leaves us, yeah. um, that there is a steady drumbeat of stories about the fact that this wiretapping claim seems to be poorly sourced. It's not sourced at all. I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, the basic admission of this was that it was sourced to a Breitbart article by Joel Pollack, uh, which came from, as he said, I guess he was I was washing dishes and listening to Mark Levin. Uh, Mark Levin, you know, claimed that he was just kind of speculating and then took that back. Um, but there's no sourcing on it whatsoever. So uh, Trump comes out and in an interview with Tucker Carlson the other day, which in which Tucker was uh, pretty hard on him, I thought was a was a was a good interview. That that portion that I saw anyway um, said, you know, where did this come from? And he cites a <clears throat> New York Times article from uh, he says January 20th. It was actually January 19th. And in uh, the Times article says nothing of the sort. Um, so it's pretty amazing that he is shocked in March that he's being wiretapped at Trump Tower uh, from an article that he missed from January, mm-hmm. which doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense. The other thing is that he said, well, he, he put it in, in quotes. I have routinely been making fun of Donald Trump for the past couple years of his random quotation marks around <laughs> things, and he had one again today. It was like these people, quotation marks, like, what? What are they doing? <laughs> They're not I always see people. that, like, bodegas here, they put quotation marks, it's like, today's sandwich special, and it's around special. I'm like, yeah. is it a joke? Yeah. It's not really a special? It's yeah. like they're going to fuck with you? And like, it's actually $10, not 5 But, like, he, he doesn't understand where to use them, so the quotation mark around wiretap doesn't make sense either, even, even if he was saying... Like I'm saying, it's the he says. Well, I'm, I mean, it's the whole thing. I don't mean actual wiretaps. Technology's changed. Okay, so then what are you saying? It, it is it is incoherence compounding upon incoherence, mm-hmm. and it's almost laughable. And he's like, well, we have to have an investigation. I think there is something positively terrifying, and I wish you know conservatives out there who are supporting Donald Trump would think it was terrifying that willy nilly. The government is going to say, I need to investigate something and throw the resources of X number of federal agencies behind something that I know to be false, but I'm trying to cover my ass. So wait till the investigation is like, no, well, you don't have a prosecution of something. You don't bring something before a court unless you prove some amount of evidence that somebody should be prosecuted. So we're looking for not even a needle in a haystack because there's no needle there's just an enormous pile of hay. And it's, it's funny, like, let's look into something in which there's not even the most basic uh, sort of allegation that passes the smell test. Not at all. And so now what is, what is being done is a conflation mm-hmm. of a bunch of previous things. Judge Napolitano, um, his claim was denied by Brett Baer tonight. And by Shepard Smith. On, we, on the air. On the air. We know broadcast. nothing about this. Yeah. We don't know where this is coming from. It's disappointing that the judge uh, would do that. But in the conspiracy realm, uh, I think that there is obviously not a... I don't know. If, I don't think... Well, that I've heard him say some things that are conspiratorial. But I think that he's willing to believe um, a lot 
uh, that is unsubstantiated because it's more confirmation bias than than uh, conspiracy theory. But I don't know if, if he has an eye to spot these things. And I'll give you an example of this. I don't think anyone ever noticed this. He had a book a couple years ago in which there was a chapter about guns and Nazis. Remember that Ben Carson talked about this mm-hmm. unbelievably absurd th- theory that 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 shows that people know nothing about the history of the Third Reich, and they say, well, they took the guns away, and had they not taken the guns away... You actually hear that trope all the time. Nonstop. Nonstop. And and, and I tell people that this is not a good way to get your point across because it's historical illiteracy in about a number of ways. (laughs) But, you know, also it also presumes, by the way, that all the Jews in, in, in Germany were armed, uh, and they've never actually proven that either, and they were uh, below 1% of the population. Vermont's kind of big, kind of strong. But regardless, um, in his chapter on that, Napolitano, in, I think the first or second page, cites somebody I just talked about, the Institute for Historical Review, which is a neo-Nazi um, Holocaust denial outfit. Now, mm-hmm. I do not believe that Judge Napolitano believes in that stuff at all, in any way, but I do believe that he do- doesn't have a good eye for conspiracy theory, or at least his researchers don't. The people who wrote those books didn't. And in that milieu of, you know, kind of in the, you know, Ron Paul peace whatever center, there's a lot of conspiracy theories on that website too. So it didn't surprise me that Napolitano was willing to believe something that might have been a little outside of the mainstream. It did surprise me that he said three, I think he said three, right? Three, yes, anon- yeah, three yeah. anonymous sources? Three, three anonymous sources from the intelligence community. I'd be surprised to me that, that, I, that I Napolitano know. has sources in the intelligence well, community, this is... but maybe it's secondhand or thirdhand yeah. or whatever it is. But, you know, it's... <laughs> It's not. It doesn't make the GCHQ thing just doesn't make sense to have no f- American fingerprints on it. They are going to somehow bug Trump Tower. How with you know with nobody's approval and and presumably fracture a relationship, the the Atlantic relationship, which is you know wobbly at this point anyway. Fracture that for what gain and for whose gain? The GCHQ is on Obama's side, and then how would they smuggle that information back to the Obama administration? without any fingerprints and without any knowing. There's fingerprints all over the place. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't pass, again, the most basic smell test. And, you know, people want desperately to believe that all of this is part of a genius plan of Donald Trump to take attention away from things. And, you know, I don't believe that he's doing that. I don't think he's clever enough to do that. I think that this is the way the man thinks. Because in, in you know, 2012, when he was talking about Obama's birth certificate, mm-hmm. He wasn't president. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't trying to distract anyone for anything. He, this is the way the man thinks. And, and now you have a bunch of flunkies. You ever had a boss who has a really bad idea in a meeting and then you see everyone's <laughs> eyes widen? I've almost never had a boss. Yeah, well, ahead. imagine that you had a boss uh-huh. and their eyes I widen. Can't. And then after their eyes close a little bit more, they start uh, shaking their head like like they're yeah. at, at yeah, Kim yeah. Jong-un. I don't want to be the first person to stop clapping. You know, this is what it's like with the Trump administration is none of these people want to they want to carry water for the president and some of them are having a harder and harder time doing it you know because th- this stuff is just crazy it is absolutely crazy it is absolutely crazy is it did, did barack obama wiretap things people I, I, you know what i don't know and if i saw evidence and, and people say oh you know stone evidence sure but tell me that he we have to be specific about this if you Dropped a bomb on Yemen doesn't mean you're the reason that there was a gas leak explosion in Kyoto. Right. They're not the same. There's like, because one, le- uh, you know, we have the capability of doing this, we know that. It doesn't mean that people were doing this to, to Donald Trump. And if they were doing it and they didn't find anything, I mean, 
Well, it's, it's, it's crazy. If, if they were doing it, if they were doing it, it's, they would have cons- found something it's consequential. Yeah. Um, but but so let me take a step back. Um, you mentioned people and quotes, and yeah. it reminded me of uh, one of my favorite films, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's uh, "There Will Be Blood," which is, I believe, adapted from uh, from uh, Oil. Which yeah, is, Sinclair uh, Lewis. I think Sinclair Lewis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that right? Which is Sinclair Lewis's book. Um, but there's this uh, there's this great line. Or is it Upton uh, Sinclair? I always Upton up. Sinclair. It's uh, Upton Sinclair. It's Upton Sinclair, not yeah. Sinclair Lewis. Yeah. Um, but uh, but Daniel Plainview, the uh, I guess the antihero of this book, is that his name? Um, yes, yeah. Daniel Plainview is the character. Sure. Um, that Daniel Day Lewis is playing, but he has that great line uh, where he talks about. Uh, he says something like, uh, I, "I don't want to talk about those things. Uh, I see the worst in people, Henry. Uh, I don't. I don't need to look past seeing them to get all I need. I've built up my hatred over the years, little by little. Having you." Here gives me a second breath. Uh, I can't keep doing this on my own with these people, which <laughs> is what I suspect Donald yeah. Trump means when yeah. he puts people in quotes. But I'm, I'm just being generous here. Um, but, but in the spirit of being generous, I would also like to, to perhaps uh, maybe direct a little bit of generosity uh, Judge Knapp's way. Okay. Um, I like Judge Knapp. Um, I've known sure. him for for uh, he's a, a lovely time. guy. Yeah, he's a, he's always been uh, great and sweet to me. There are definitely things that we disagree about. There have definitely been times when he has said things that have. have and by the way, he is, me, he's friends with Shepard Smith too. Yeah, made me uncomfortable. Yeah, um, the uh, the the going on Alex Jones's show um, and talking to him about Building Seven. Uh, not a good look. Um, Did he do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, Fuck. Yeah. So that's not that's not great. Um, but. In this specific context, <laughs> there will be crazy. <laughs> but in this specific context, right? Um, I don't know who his sources were. I have no idea who he was talking to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I have a couple of thoughts on this, and and I, I want you to weigh in on most of it. Um, I have a difficult time differentiating between um, sort of the the nature of the speculation that is engaged in mm-hmm. by someone who says, well, yeah, I mean, maybe he did, maybe he did uh, wiretap him. Someone who's wiretapping the president and the shenanigans that I've seen uh, Rachel Maddow in particular oh um, my indulge God. in over oh the course God. of the past couple of weeks. Rachel Maddow, um, who this week- You should make this build up to Rachel Maddow, your <laughs> comment about her, as long as her build up to her flat news story. Yes. <laughs> you should do like a 20 I, minute I wouldn't. I wouldn't dare do that to yeah. you. Um, yeah. if, if you did not oh, watch- God, Insufferable. Uh, if you did not watch earlier this week, uh, you don't have to. Rachel Maddow got two pages of Donald Trump's tax return. Um, and there was uh, there was a buildup through portion of Chris Hayes' show. There were tweets about it. I saw it on Twitter, and I tuned into MSNBC. I had to look up what channel it was on because I don't really watch cable news. Um, and Rachel Maddow, instead of simply telling us, you know, what's in the uh, what's in this tax return, what is the explosive revelation in this uh, in this tax return that you've obtained, um, she proceeds to give us a maybe fifteen minute long. Um, exposition on various conspiracy theories mm. um, about Trump and his relationship with Russians involving, um, as we discussed last week, uh, the plane 
the two planes that were on the tarmac together. Oh yeah, that's at, right. At that multiple campaign stops, I that's think right. it was like two. Yeah, uh, right. One of which I think was actually Las Vegas McLaren, uh, yeah, McLaren, McLaren Airport, yeah, which yeah. is kind of a big deal. Yeah. Um, I, I should confess. Uh, and the, the guy tr- that bought his house in Florida has yeah. a boat in the water in Florida. Yeah, yeah. You well, know why? It's because he, he bought a, his house. He has a boat. Well, this is the thing. So first, she gives the plane the plane explanation. Then she references this this transaction, this real estate transaction, in which oh my god, someone bought a house for one price and sold it for more yeah. to a Russian in 2008. Yeah. Obviously, it was a grand conspiracy. And by, by the Vladimir way, no Putin. one Super actually talks game. about this. Uh, is that maybe the price was really inflated because the Russian guy was like, "I'm buying Donald Trump house. <laughs> that is worth a lot of money." And you and know? Donald Trump actually purchased the house as part of like a distressed estate sure, sale yeah, and, like, re- situation. Yeah, there's a million explanations. There's so this. many. Yeah, there's yeah. so many important reasons yeah. why this isn't particularly yeah. spectacularly just confusing. And oh my god, what what are we going to do? So there are those two things. Those two things. And then this new conspiracy theory, which is, and a boat, a yacht was in the ocean off of a Caribbean island. And there was another yacht nearby that was also owned by someone. All of these plots are supposed to suggest, see, the <laughs> rich, Russians rich people are communicating go to, They tend to go to places Trump. where other these rich are, people go. These are the disconnected, yeah. loose assertions that I'll make. Couldn't believe and the boat was in the point, water. And, and look, here's, here's, the, here's, the, here's the similarity, right? At some point, she even grabs the dossier. Um, yeah. The the yeah. now uh, mostly I don't know if it's mostly discredited, but at a minimum it is uncooperated. And it's uncorroborated, but there's I think that the intelligence community there said there's a few things in there a, that that they think and and those perhaps, might be perhaps too. So, but Carter she Page she at least kind of she at yeah. least acknowledges that aspects of this are uncooperated while she's waving it in her hand yeah, yeah. Uh, above her head. Yeah. Um, but all of this to suggest what is hiding in Donald Trump's tax return. Obviously, all of these things are important questions to ask. What's important here is that she's been asking that same question for yeah, days. I mean, it's um, unbelievable. I so could, is there, yeah, is, God, how so much daylight is there between these two things? And, and sort of, here's the, second, here's the second bit of a green shoot that I will send Judge Knapp's way. And I'm, I am doing this because I like him, but also because I think it's important. Um, the, there are elements of what he is talking about that have some basis in reality um that is to say that the gchq the british intelligence agency um is an organization that like the nsa basically british conducted a great deal of surveillance and there have in fact been a relate there has in fact been a relationship very close um that we american people don't know a great deal about yeah Yeah, of course with with rules and prohibitions that are supposed to be governing the way that they collect information um, however, in fact, we have discovered um, through leaks mm-hmm. um, and also through court proceedings um, subsequent to that, uh, that both the NSA and the GCHQ have exceeded the mandate. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the case of the NSA, like systematic patterns of violations. Mm-hmm. And with uh, GCHQ, um, there was, uh, I believe, something involving like human rights, uh, human rights uh, professionals who were doing their jobs and were being... Uh, illegally uh, monitored by the GCHQ. So those sorts of things can happen and it matters. And as I think you were saying, you know, when you know that that's the case and that's sort of a part of your, that distrust of government is a fundamental component of your, uh, your beliefs. It is easy 
to to want to believe sort of the rest of the speculation that there could yeah. in fact be these wiretaps of Donald Trump. But but, but here's I have the thing. no but I but I'm not even saying I have no idea whether or not it's true. I'm saying I've seen absolutely nothing to support it. I am I am not I'm not thrilled uh, by the fact that the judge sort of finds himself in this position. Yeah. And I I hope I hope that additional detail comes out that that gives us some sort of reason to to believe that. Uh, he was doing this um, in a in a defense for defensible reasons, um, but as it stands, it it's not a good look. What you're doing though is what you're you're doing what Donald Trump's doing, which is saying that there's there's something like this out there, not this. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm I, not, no, no. I know, but yeah, but, yeah. but this is essentially the fundamental basis of conspiracy theories because you get what why people laugh hardest at Alex Jones and uh-huh. most mystified by him is because. You know, he'll do the, the, it turns the frogs gay stuff, yeah. you know, which is like, you know, there's, you know, it's like space stuff. You know, there's, uh, you know, the lizard people of David Icke, that yeah. guy. That stuff is just so crazy and so out there that we're like, wow, that guy needs to be checked into a hospital, that's, right? But he, he seems like he believes it. When he's uh, yeah, going yeah, yeah, on yeah, his course. gay frog rants. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that stuff's just so crazy. But he's impassioned. That, but like a real conspiracy, theory, if you, I, I've said this a lot and I've said this to people who say, you know, Take a take an educated person who, you know, even studied history in college and maybe took a few classes about, you know, I don't know, um, World War II or sort of 20th century history. So they know the rudiments of it. They understand basically what happened. Yeah. And if you ask them to, like, what about David Irving? Because I mentioned him before, uh, the Holocaust denier, and say, you know, like, oh, yeah, I heard about him. There's a movie about him, denial. And yeah, he's crazy. He's crazy. Mm-hmm. You want to debate him? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Because whoa, wait, let me, let me, let me stop you there. Because the knowledge that you have, which is right and is true, and is based on things out there in the ether, and is based on the fact that a you know ninety nine point nine nine percent of sensible, you know, reasonable historians have uh, shown us that this is true, and history shows us to be true. The Holocaust happened, right? Okay, so you're going to go into that debate thinking you're going to win because you know that's true. Yeah, but you're going to lose. It doesn't mean the Holocaust didn't happen. You're going to lose a debate to somebody who thinks something that's crazy, Yeah, right? Yeah. That happens. So if you go into debate a 9-11 truther, for instance, 9-11 happened. 9-11 happened broadly in the way that the government said it happened. I mean, there's a lot of things we don't know. There's a lot of, like, dirty dealings by the Bush administration, et cetera. But, you know, there were 20 hijackers, most of them Saudi Arabia. They crashed planes into the World Trade Center, Pentagon, and Shanksville, Pennsylvania. That is all true. But I don't envy somebody who has a sort of broad knowledge of what happened on that day when they get stuck in an elevator with a 9-11 truther and have to debate it, because you might lose. And the reason you might lose is not because you're wrong, because they're wrong, is because there is that kind of sediment of truth in certain things. Mm -hmm. Because they'll say, oh, you know, America was funding the Mujahideen. Well, well, that's true, but even that's complicated. There's the sort of you know, uh, Middle Eastern ones, and then there's the, the native Afghan Mujahideen, and we gave more money to one than the other, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all this stuff is very complicated, but it's based on this kind of bedrock of facts that are then taken to a different right. level. Extrapolate from those facts sure. and, and take as many loosely related things as so possible when, yeah. and force them together exactly. and try to create a So narrative. when people say, well, I see how you could believe right, this. Right, right. Fo- a fog of doubt at a minimum. Sure. I mean, mm-hmm. people say, well, I see how you could believe it. No, 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 comrade. That's wrong. Don't say, I see how you could believe this. Because basically what you're doing is you're saying, I see that of these hundred yeah. layers of this lasagna of nonsense, the bottom one is true. Yeah. Well, you yeah, got to yeah. eat through all that other shit to get to the bottom. 
bottom one, right? Yeah. And that's ultimately the problem with 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 the way Trump talks about this stuff. People say you see the serious people, you see people in like Napolitano is a very serious, very smart guy, former uh, judge in New Jersey. Uh-huh. I mean, not not. I mean, the nine eleven truth stuff bothers me. I no, just looked. I just looked it up. By the way, it's unfortunately. Yeah, true. no, it's 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 problematic. But you know, it is it is amazing to me that you know he's doing it. Other people are doing it. Um, I've seen people that I know and like and have worked in journalism with and I respect doing it. And it's this incredible game of deflection in a way that conspiracy theorists themselves work. I don't think these people themselves are conspiracy theorists, but they do that deflection thing where they say, hey, guys, look over here. I'm, you're talking over here, but look over here. I used to tell people the trick of, of doing talking head television. We've both done this. Mm-hmm. We've been on CNN, MSNBC, Fox, mm-hmm. et cetera. Mm-hmm. The trick of this is I tell people, like, whatever happens, people get nervous about it. What happens if somebody asks me about something I don't know? And you're on just, television. Just say you don't know. No. <laughs> I know. That, that's, that's, that's what I do. That would be great. That'd be great. Because <laughs> then it would just be a bunch of chirping boneheads on TV saying, yeah, I don't I know. know. I know. But people say this, you know, um, Michael, what do you think about quantitative easing? Right? And you say, well, fuck, I don't know anything about this. Yeah. And then the, 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 the trick is, and this is essentially what Trump does, yeah. but in a different way. You say, you say, you know what? I think quantitative easing is actually a very important issue and you see a lot of this talk about this for, yeah. for very good reasons yeah, but I think yeah. the real issue yeah. and then you're off to the races yeah. but the real issue pivot and the host is just trying to get through the segment they're not going to stop you yeah, yeah. So, so that's what he's been doing on a, on a grand scale through the Oval Office and unfortunately with the complicity of people in the media saying well there's a, what about this? It's like no, no, no. We're talking about the fact that he said explicitly in a tweet that he's being that he's being wiretapped by yeah. Obama yeah. in the Trump Tower. No, he isn't. Yeah, and I will eat my shoe in the Werner Herzog way. I will eat my shoe <laughs> if if, if, in fact if it turns out to be true. It won't. Now, so so this is interesting, and this this actually reminds me of something that we were talking about on the way um, out of the uh, out of the building uh, after recording the last podcast. But you know the the. The Maddow like non scoop oh, where she talks amazing. about this uh, this tax return um, and and we could talk specifically about whether or not Trump ought to release his tax return. I think I think he should. Um, yeah. I think he should because that is the precedent. Um, not because I actually. By think the way, that after we'll, Maddow's we'll after Maddow's there, yeah, fucking disaster performance. <laughs> I wouldn't release anything ever because I'm like I just keep these people doing stuff like <laughs> just this. Keep, just it's gonna have like. And, and, but this is the problem with the continuing right. Like Maddow does this thing. And most of the row afterwards is not about the conspiratorial rambling that took place before they started talking about the tax return or even the conspiratorial rambling afterwards. I think Donald Trump may have leaked this. Maybe he leaked this. Donald Trump probably leaked this. By the way, David Uh, K. Jones, he says this. Let me tell you something, buddy. Don't have something on the Chiron eight hours before. Don't tease these tweets if you think Donald Trump leaked it. Because if if you think he did, then he's leaking you something that makes him look good. Yes, (laughs) he wants you to talk about it. I paid 25 percent he paid, he paid it yeah. nbc universal paid what 19 percent that year yeah. i mean it's it's not he, enough if he thinks that if he thinks that that he's being linked to by donald trump then by the way you don't have a scoop yeah. you have a but, quotidian document that says he paid 24 yeah. percent but that's but that's taxes. largely where the ridicule has been that this wasn't particularly interesting and yeah. you and you overhyped this sure. not like the the crude speculation that took place before and and there is sort of a related point which is that they're not the president of the United States. Yeah. And a lot of people will tell me that when it's the president, it's different. Mm. But there are elected officials all across Washington, D.C. that are actively engaged 
in a campaign, some of them perhaps sincerely believe it, sure. to create a, a cloud of suspicion around Donald Trump um, in order to persuade people to believe um, or in order to create the perception that he has been taken advantage of, captured by the Putin administration. It's the, the same regime. conspiracy and theory. It is the same, it's the same conspiracy theory. It's the yeah. sort of conspiracy theory where James Clapper, again, dubious, dubious uh, witness for any for anything. Uh, but on Meet the Press, like says explicitly, see no evidence of this. Sure. Um, to the extent that the tax return actually contains evidence of this, mm. um, I suspect that intelligence organizations have actually looked at this. Audit. They have, and the IRS to it. <laughs> does a pr- do, the IRS. They, um, yeah, I don't yeah. know how good a job they do at it, but they yeah. audit the hell out of people. Yeah. And I suspect that if they're going to find some connection. It probably found it. No, I love He's like this. filing taxes. I love this idea that, like, you know, <laughs> no. your, your Samsung TV is watching you. It's like, but they can't go to the IRS and be like, hey, by the way, just I'm, send uh, the tax I'm uh, you know, Steve from the NSA. Can I get those tax returns? Like, yeah, yeah, just they're in the back. I mean, you know, there, there, there might be something there, of course. We always have to sort of caveat that. But, it, and again, it operates off but that she conspiracy. Ends up on, but she ends up on Fallon. Like that's what she does. Like after this, well, like, I was no, I was annoyed. Where's the by ridicule it. of the conspiracy theory, the conspiratorial Look, nature of the that was that was left the, the rest of the Democrats. That was left wing Glenn Beck. That was drawing this guy to that guy, and then that piece of chalk goes from that person to that person. And there was a moment at the beginning, and I was like, oh shit, she's actually going to substantiate this. And about I, I eight thought so minutes too. in, I was like, oh my god, what is going on here? <laughs> and it was a uniform ridicule, left, right, and center. On Twitter, and justifiably so, and people saying, my favorite one was, you know, if there's a backlash, there always has to be the micro backlash of the backlash, you know, uh-huh. and there's always like some dickhead on Twitter, he's like, you know what, she was doing a great job of like reminding people of what <laughs> is actually going on out there, and it's like, no, it, this was like a fog of speculation, and 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 again, it's it's that conspiracy base, baseline because the things that do exist is that Paul Manafort is a scumbag, yeah, and today the Ukrainian government said we want to interview him in relation to the crimes committed by the previous regime that was propped up by Moscow. I did not see Mos- that today. Yeah. yeah, it was propped up by Moscow, and he was paid by them. Yeah. I mean, it is very curious that wow. Mike Flynn is sitting at a table with, you know, uh, next to Vladimir Putin and RT, and he's, he's, uh, he's Russia-philic. Yeah. I mean, that is suggestive. Ex- accepted all... numerous payments from mostly num- RT. numerous uh, payments. on the payroll uh, of the, the, Turk, the, the Turkish, Turkish government. Yeah, the well... Turks. Well, it's yeah, it's a cutout, but through uh, yes. ultimately the Turkish government. So this stuff, all of this stuff, is certainly suggestive. But there, there has to be a point when you're researching something. And I was telling you on the way in, I've been you know up to my neck in this story that I've been banging on, banging on, calling everyone, and I'm getting little nuggets. And there's going to be a point where where my editor just says, "You gotta, you're not getting anything." Mm-hmm. Stop. I mean, I did get some stuff, but if I wasn't getting any, just say, you know, you got to cut this out. I mean, stop with the you're going on and on and on. And I get that the speculation helps nobody because what we're trying to find, and there's a specific goal here, mm-hmm. the, the Russia connection. What we're trying to find, journalists cannot find. The only evidence that we have, the speculatory stuff that came out when Ben Smith published at BuzzFeed, and I criticize the publication of that here. Um, that came through a former uh, MI6 agent. I mean, these are guys that have contacts in the intelligence world. The only people that are going to reveal this stuff, I think, I'm trying to think of possibilities in other ways, will be intelligence agencies. Mm -hmm. Because how does one prove that, you know, uh, Donald Trump cut out, met with, uh, you know, a uh, Putin consigliere, 
one day in Amsterdam in you know uh, December or, or or October or something. There's no there's people are going to be disappointed in this. So Rachel Maddow's speculation which might be good television. And it actually was incredibly bad television. It was tedious, <laughs> it was long, it was overwrought. It was like, wind it up. Stephen Colbert made fun of it the other night. He had a, had a bit where he was like, did this incredibly long wind up to, to something, you know, making fun of Maddo. You know, where, where does it go? Well, nowhere. And the thing about, that I, when I was watching that, I, may, I joked on Twitter, I was like, I, you know, M NBC talent scouts can... You know, call me. I am very good at sitting in a chair and asking questions and not answering them. Is that asking questions and not answering them? She's just asking questions. She's just asking that's, questions. That's all. It's always the thing. I talked to a libel lawyer today who was telling me about a case with a newspaper, and I said, and they got sued by from a headline. And I said, why didn't they just put a question mark in the end? That's what we all do. And he said, no, they're really resistant to that. It's like, you know, you know, guy kills woman, and that's there's a picture of the guy. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. Guy kills woman. <laughs> it's a different headline, and you like protect yourself against libel and a, I mean, yes. maybe a little extreme example. Yeah, it's probably so, not it's so impartial. Probably, probably not the example that we're trying to. Think. But <laughs> yeah, like... I mean, I mean, I, I think that these, you know, Carter Page, who doesn't have any real connection to uh, the administration, uh, Roger Stone, who's a fantasist and a liar and a fraud, uh, and this is the truth about Stone. We want this story to be true. We want people who are associated with Donald Trump to have indulged in contacts with the Russians. And then we also have to substantiate the fact that Roger Stone, who I have met, I've interviewed, uh, I don't know him in any real way, but we have mutual friends, unfortunately, um, <laughs> is, is an insane person. I mean, he's literally an insane person. It should be mentioned in any article about Stone coming forward is that he has a book coming out soon in which he blames, and this is true, the, well, you know, the premise isn't true. It's true that he has a book coming out, blaming Hillary Clinton hear me out on this one, uh -huh. <laughs> for the death of John F. Kennedy Jr. He told me all about this excitedly. The Clintons will stop at nothing. They'll kill anyone, Michael. And he has a book coming out on this. This is a man who deals in those kind of quote-unquote facts. Why we take his word for anything, that he's been talking to Guccifer and friggin' hackers, he has no credibility. We tend to dump those people in the toilet. We elevate him because we say he's close to the Trump administration. What nobody has substantiated is recently, has he since January 20th, 21st, 22nd, had any significant contact with the government? I mean, we can tell you that the F FBI is investigating him, that they have signals intelligence on emails and calls that he's made. Mm -hmm. They've read his direct messages with somebody who is a cutout for the government who is releasing John Podesta's emails. But do we have any significant uh, evidence that he's talking to the administration. Well, no one's really mentioned that. Mm -hmm. I think he served his purpose at the time, and I think he's been cashiered, to be honest. It's also, I mean, and we've talked about this a little bit before, but I mean, it's one of those situations where there's virtually no one who wants to work for you, and you need people to do jobs. And it's the uh, it's Jeffrey the, Lord, it's the weirdos public no, defender. It's the weirdos with no uh, yeah. no credibility that are willing yeah. to to come and play play ball. Jeffrey Lord. Yeah, I mean, he was writing for the American Spectator, which collapsed essentially before George Gilder bought it and collapsed it even more. But it stopped being a real magazine in like 1999, and he was writing like an advice column basically. <laughs> and now he's like blubbering on TV defending defending the president all the time. And it's like, who the fuck is this guy? It was so funny. The day of the election, I was so confident that he was going to lose. And I said, I tweeted something. And it's the only thing that I wish I could go back and delete. Uh, but I'm just leaving it there as a, 
sort of mon monument to my my failure of being a Rasputin, <laughs> a Rasputin like prognosticator. But it said so, like sometimes you get it right. Uh, sometimes I get it right. And it, it was something like I, you know, the greatest thing about today is that tomorrow Jeffrey Lord will be out of a job, and now he just he's like there forever, and it's really sad. So yeah, well. Maybe maybe we pivot to something else that I know um, we we both have like have had incredibly nasty weeks. Um, I've actually been oh, working God. on um uh, we've got a series coming out called Wrong uh, Freethink. We we make videos and stuff. Um, and Wrong is a series about like brilliant minds who made bold predictions that turned out to be just fantastically wrong. Um, Paul Ehrlich in there? Uh, Paul Ehrlich is in there. Actually. Great. The first one is is all about the, the population, uh, population bomb. The population bomb, yeah. uh, which was a fan fantastically <laughs> fantastically wrong prediction. <laughs> It's literally the most uh, wrong book ever written. It's, it's very, amazing. Very wrong. Yeah. Uh, we have yeah. one about IVF, uh, in vitro fertilization, which was supposed to be very, very problematic and create all sorts of uh, hopeful monsters and yeah. uh, Franken-babies, and that yeah. didn't happen. Uh, yeah. Instead, it, it created like lots of beautiful children and yeah. completed families. I'm, so serious, I'm sure well. some of them were shitty. Um, and the most recent one we're working on is about uh, Y2K. Oh, and yeah, yeah, it's yeah, funny yeah. because I had to go back and like do a bunch of research and analysis because when when I am recording one of these things, we are bringing a lot of resources to bear. But I also like the last thing I want is to freeze an amber, like mm. expensive, like beautifully animated um, <laughs> and amazingly uh, voiced and narrated <laughs> by, by yours truly um, videos. I, I don't want to be wrong about this stuff. Um, yeah. And what I discovered, because we almost did one on the Great Horse Manure Crisis, um, which uh, turns a, out to... Is that a thing? Yeah, yeah. The Great yeah. Horse Manure Crisis is this um, this frequently uh, cited story um, about um, the, the belief, anyways, that at some point in the past, there were so many horse-drawn carriages that there was just tons and tons and tons of horse manure that was sort of piling up in the street and that there were these conferences held and people trying to figure out, what do we do about all this horse manure? This is terrible. This is just like uh, climate change, essentially. This it's, is that's like a Malthusian yeah. uh, instinct about horse Totally. Shit? That they were yeah. trying to figure out what to do about this this horrible yeah. problem. People were getting sick. It's, there are, in fact, this part is actually totally true, that houses were built in a particular way to sort of keep them, uh, to keep the the pile of nastiness and grossness of uh, horse species um, from sort of getting into the house and just spilling over. At any rate, um, this problem was not much of a problem because people discovered that they could uh, actually build these things called cars and run them on gas, and this problem <laughs> solved itself. Um, sure. Turns out that there's a lot of myth-making there, and yeah. there are any number of facts about that very frequently told story um, that have proven to not so much be But true. I had a sense that you were going to tell me that, like, the Y2K people were right or well, something. Well, this is the... So the interesting thing about there? Y2K yeah. um, is... And Y2K this is a situation where you're, we took... You're going to say something totally fucking crackpot Well, not so, cra <laughs> not so crazy. $100 billion. Um, $100 billion is sort of taken and spent over the course of really a couple of years to try to address this massive problem. Um, and as it turns out, and you'll watch the video and get the rest, um, did it work? Did we stave off a horrible tragedy, um, a, a potential crisis yeah. um, for that money? And the fact is that it's, uh, it's kind of hard to say. Um, there is some evidence um, that there was clearly a problem. There was a real problem in terms of like mainframes that might have gone haywire. It was almost certainly the case that most of the, the versions of the story that we would hear uh, were generally like the worst case scenario and not the truth, which was we don't really know what will happen when this breaks, mm. but it could be bad. 
Um, and there were plenty of opportunists who ran into the room to try to scream things. I mean, what if what if nukes started just firing off um, mm. automatically on their own? It's not that there was evidence that this would happen. Like someone is speculating wildly about this. Um, and as a consequence, $100 billion is spent to, to try and it's solve this of, problem. It's a lot of and billions. Whereas people were hysterical way mm. beforehand, by the time it was about to happen, the... Uh, chief czar for Y2K, an office that was staffed by like the czar and one yeah. guy, um, is up in a plane on the night of um, uh, December 31st, 1999, yeah. uh, the night that uh, Boris Yeltsin steps down and Vladimir Putin first takes office, That's right. by the way. Interesting. That's right. yeah. um, and nothing happens. What's interesting, and I th- what I thought was sort of proof positive that this was a story that people should be paying close attention to, was... Um, the fact that there were lots of countries that spent zero dollars pretty much mm-hmm. um, relative to the United States and didn't have any issues either. So that's your control group, right? Supposedly. But the difficulty here All is right, – Well, no, the difficulty, <laughs> the difficulty is that they, they had infrastructure that wasn't nearly as sophisticated as the United States. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. in many of these cases, they were actually able to take advantage but of the fact the that less, U.S. companies is, were spending tons and tons of money But isn't of the less sophisticated the technology, the more uh-huh. likely you're going to have a Y2K problem? Yeah, this is well, not necessarily no, because mm. the Y two K problem I I dates back. You. No, no, the Y two K problem. This is I've been looking at this for days now. Yeah. The Y two K problem dates back to the nineteen sixties. Um, yeah. So they would have had to have built their systems then, and oftentimes yeah. the, it's not merely a software problem. Which interestingly, most of the time we don't completely rewrite software. Like it's not a brand new package; it's built on top yeah, of the old one, so the errors them. are multiplied. Sure. Yeah, um, but. In either case, that's not, it's not obvious that that's the case because they would have gotten the new device, which did, wasn't susceptible to the same problems, didn't have the same internal clock issues. Now I'm getting into some nuance. In either case, we spent $100 billion, and the real, what I've discovered that was the real sort of eye-opener was, first, there's the media panic and hysteria, sure. which is always a thing. Yeah, uh, but secondarily, there was a huge amount of coverage leading up to this thing, and afterwards, no one cared to look. Yeah. Like the congressional investigation afterwards was a huge pat on the back um, where they said, obviously, this worked. The New York Times like it did a, a, a re-examination of this and has done it several times. They also wrote hundreds and hundreds of pieces about the dangers of Y2K mm. uh, that turned out to be fantastically wrong um, for specific reasons because they were still predicting up to the day that it ha- um, almost happened that places that hadn't spent any money would actually crash mm. horribly, too, and they didn't. Um, but anyway, right, you'll see the video later. I, I maybe have told enough of this story, but it was more complicated than I suspected. So I sure. had to add some nuance into it, and we, we did some rewriting, and you'll hopefully get to see that you later. Sh- I, I, and, and sometimes this, um, um, uh, get, I get notes from people that they liked some stupid recommendation. A 10-minute uh, Speaking the Times, they do a, a partnership with Retro Report. Yes. They do these great videos. I think that's, I think that's their thing. At my, uh, yeah. I, uh, we used to, I think it was separate at first. I don't know. Don't quote yeah. me. I'm like, I'm yeah, re- they have well, a Retro that Report on, I know that on I'm, We're recording it, and I'm like, yeah. uh, don't quote me on that. Um, <laughs> so please, do quote me. Um, but they did a really good one on on the myth um, of crack babies uh-huh. and went back and talked to some of the panic doctors who did um, most of the media appearances. Yeah. I mean, once you get into the bloodstream, bookers and producers find it very easy to go to other, totally. pe- other people's segments and find those people. So, of course, you say one thing and you end up saying it 55,000 times on, yeah. on, on 55,000 different programs. And some of them were were uh, pretty clear-eyed about it and said, yeah, you know, this was... 
This was something that we feared would happen based on kind of what seemed like uh-huh. an internal logic to 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 uh, addiction, and it, and it wasn't true. And they yeah. talked to uh, a girl who uh, was born a quote unquote crack baby. Um, who is totally fascinating and she's totally fine and but really it's, successful. But, they, but all these things were espoused confidently and no, yeah, one, yeah, sure. no one was interested in lying. But oftentimes journalists mm-hmm. um, who are expert in a great many things in some cases and, and other cases are not, not even journalism, uh, oftentimes don't know jack shit about technical issues that they have to report on so or here, ask he, to report he, he, on or choose the, to report on, I, which is yeah. – which this is a long-ass segue to get us to Trump's uh, budget. Well, let's let let me just have one more comment, and we're seven, we're go, go we're a it. long way in. Yeah, and I look out through that that glass there, and I do see, they look like they want to go? Oh god, the producers, I mean, everyone's the drinking Modelo's in there. No, they're, they're, they're just like they're fine. The fucking riots they're about fine. to break out. We 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 won't go long. I on mean, this is I, I don't, I don't I, this is ambient to yeah. most people. <laughs> a few of our listeners like it. To everyone else, this is you know, as Mark Twain said uh, about the Book of Mormon, it's it's chloroform and print. <laughs> I mean, this is chloroform. You know. Not the, the not the not the musical. No, 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 which no, was no, remarkable. No, yeah, no, this is the actual my second favorite uh, musical thing that Joseph, behind Phantom of the Opera. Joseph Smith found on a couple of pieces of chinette <laughs> in uh, in Oneonta, New York, or something. That's I love, not but how anyway, that I, Well, I, love, I just I love that like a a a religion that was founded in upstate New York is really funny. To me. <laughs> it's like mostly like double A ball teams, and well, it's like all of a sudden they're like, oh my god, there's some golden plates. Well, it's all all <laughs> Let's move all to, religions sort of founded yeah. in the last hundred years are supposedly weird. I know, um, I know, which I take. Take offense at because again, we you know Seventh Day Adventists <laughs> represent oh, right. stand up Friday that, night that, working that, on the that, podcast that madness yeah um, I don't know what I was going to say it was going to be a, it was a really important sorry, point I, too I we were just you. talking about Y two K oh no one quick point I was, I, <laughs> somebody that, that I had this conversation today actually it was do you ever have this realization and this can happen to anyone it doesn't matter um, you don't have to be a journalist you don't have to work in media but if you if there's ever a subject that comes across the transom. And people start talking about it a lot in a short period of time. Um, we talked about this on the show recently. For me, with Sweden uh, is a good example of this. The election, the, the Dutch election of, of Hurt Wilders was another example of this. And if it's something you've written a lot about, you know a lot about, you've lived it, it's your job, you notice that when the media talks about it, and I, and I, say, I hate saying the media as if it's one monolithic thing, but you often find that they get a lot of things wrong. Right, you say I know a lot mm-hmm. about this, and they're getting five or six things wrong in this lead of this story. This happens a lot to me, and then I stop and and you pause and you say, Jesus, what about all the shit I don't know about? Like, what are they getting wrong? Is this all the time? Yeah, and then you realize, of course, with with the the tempo of the media these days, of you know shoveling the coal into the engine to keep the totally. website going 24 hours a day. There's yeah, no, yeah. the printer doesn't stop and everyone goes home and you know goes has a beer and they go home and, and sleep and they come back and they do the news again the next day. It's constantly going and profits are down dramatically. So of course, most of the unless people writing uh, these- Unless you're, you're selling the, fear and or, getting some well, new subscriptions. Or doing really good stuff. Like the New Yorker's doing very, very well. Washington making a lot Post of money. also. Washington Post well. is making money. Um, they're doing very good reporting these days. Um, but but it's essentially what happens is that if you're making less money of a website, the ad model doesn't work. And at the same time, I think of this overlapping bell curve here, you need more content because yeah. the news day doesn't end. Who ends up writing those stories? I mean, and I have this from experience. Sure. People who are 23 years old, sure. 24 years old. And I would get copy from them and I would say, we don't publish an Esperanto edition. They're like, no, it's actually, <laughs> weirdly, it's actually in English. And everything is wrong. Yeah. You can't catch everything. Yeah. So, I mean, the increase in the, in the shitty journalism 
that I see, you often find that anybody out there is listening who's, you know, uh, you know, a podiatrist or something, uh-huh. and there's an explosion of stories on feet. You'll be like, these guys have no idea what they're talking yeah. about. And that, that is, is, it troubles me a lot that I see the, the rapidity with which the news cycle is moving and the sort of low earning potential of kind of journalists. You used to go through that thing of being a, you know, covering school board meetings and, you know, Biloxi. And then when you were 50, you'd get, you'd graduate to the New York Times or something. Now it's you get the website that has 25 million view, viewers or uh, readers a month. You work at BuzzFeed out of college and you're, you know, typing with your fists. And that's <laughs> kind of, that's why you get like, oh my God, Jurassic Park is, you know, you know, uh, you know, sexist or whatever these like fake uh, um, hot take stories, but that is very, very troubling, and that's just my little stupid button on this. But do we really have to talk about the budget? I, I mean, look, I was I only gonna, I, I was only gonna say this. Everyone hates um, it. I was gonna say this. <laughs> we, we haven't, we, we speaking for Michael because I know he's been busy too. Um, I don't think either one of us have read like the entirety of the budget. Document no, I've read bits that, of it, and I'm like, ugh, God. And, and I don't, I don't. The th- only thing more boring than us talking about the budget yeah. is fucking reading the budget. <laughs> so let's. Wrap Wrap it up, Camille. Um, but but I will say this: that you know, depending on who you read, you will get uh, dramatically different takes on the budget. My own politics uh, make me uh, pretty pessimistic about most forms of government spending. So when I hear uh, that there is someone who wants to uh, shutter entire lines of, say, like Amtrak take money away from them, I think to myself, great. That's a good <laughs> That's, thing. Just um, shut it and, down. And when I hear about, you know... Amtrak, by the way, does that often by itself. Well, it'd be, it'd be nice, um, yeah. but they Spend you know, continue, to, continue, to, continue to lose money and, uh, and get massive subsidies from the government. I mean, look, the bottom line is that most Americans believe that government spends money in hugely inefficient ways. That's a bipartisan view, by the way. this is very bipartisan view. Um, At at all levels, although they believe it is less true of their local governments. And this, that popular belief is almost certainly true. Um, In fact, the the belief appears to be that they believe like half of the money is wasted, which Mm. is interesting because we're not talking about a a huge cut um, that is sort of half of all of the money that is spent by government. Um, So in that respect, I am, you know, standing firmly with the typical folks you would expect, the the weirdo libertarians. Um, There is sort of a, a point of agreement with the New York Times uh, sort of progressive crowd um, that I, I sort of frequently agree, disagree with on matters like this, uh, financial matters, um, economic matters. Um, the cuts are coming from the kinds of programs that mm. aren't really driving no. the nation's budgetary crisis. No, the um, two biggest the two biggest things are totally off limits. Yeah, that's entitlements, entitlements, which and, they would not like to see the cuts come from, and defense, and defense spending. spending, which is being massively increased, which is being which is being increased, yeah, dramatically, yeah. Um, and <laughs> Donald Trump's uh, rec- uh, reasoning for this is we need a, a stronger military. And look, I've I have said before on this program there is an argument to be made there. Um, there are all sorts of outdated pieces of military equipment that may need to be replaced. The issue, however, is that so much of the Pentagon budget is actually going to personnel. Sure. Like the massive bureaucracy sure. that has actually grown in the, in the inside of the Pentagon. There is so much waste and inefficiency in every area of government. And there is something kind of gross and shady um, about a program or about a, a cost-cutting mechanism that focuses narrowly on this small sliver of programs many of which are intended to help 
poor people. Mm-hmm. Not that they do, sure. which is the which is the problem I have. Which most most of the sort of hot takes in the New York Times they will cover the fact that this HUD program is no longer going to get to get, to get this money um, or something like that. I think it was confusing Scott, the Scott intentions. Shack, Scott Shackford reason had a very uh-huh. very interesting piece on the the Meals on Wheels uh-huh. uh, controversy, and I think the top the, the the top line of this is that you know it doesn't matter. Um, the specifics don't matter. And Walter Olson was uh, tweeting about this too the uh-huh. other day. Um, the specifics don't matter because uh, essentially what all one needs is to say you're going to slit the throat of Big Bird and take away right. Meals on Wheels from old people. Right. And it's like this, you know, as far as a chunk of the budget or percentage of the budget, it's it's vanishingly small and everyone knows that. Um, you know, I I understand the argument you got to start somewhere. Um, but I, I also don't b- believe that argument with him because with, with the Trump presidency, because obviously you're not going to start somewhere because you're growing one of the largest chunks of the budget with particularly with um, defense spending. And of course, you know, entitlements, I don't suspect that's going to be shrinking anytime soon right. at all. I think, right. you know, it's, it's obviously the opposite direction. So, yeah. so I mean, you yeah. know, 29 percent reduction in the state and other development programs, State Department stuff and other development programs, 31 percent reduction for the uh, for the EPA. Um, there are various departments that are going to see huge layoffs, 21% reduction for agriculture, 21% for labor, uh, 20% reduction for justice, 16% reduction for health and human services. These, those, those percentages sound pretty high. Um, and in some cases, like bureaucrats um, will lose their jobs, many of which make, uh, I believe, the average federal salary is some, somewhere around $120,000 It's when you year. include um, <laughs> health care and all that stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's uh, significant it's, stuff. It's, it's a lot. But the, the other thing about this is that I would love to see somebody formulate a budget like this, but just with, with political ends in mind, because uh-huh. it, would be, it would actually be more successful this way. And they'd actually be able to sort of ram it through in, a, I think, an easier way or sell it an easier way is to do it with optics in mind. Mm-hmm. People don't, people like hearing things like that 25% from, you know, health and human. That's right. You know, EPA, you be careful with because the, already the stories are polluting rivers and stuff's being dumped in the rivers. I don't know if that's true. I haven't looked into it. So don't say, hey, you're wrong, Moynihan. Yeah, you, you're won't, right. you won't get global warming uh, talk out of me. Yeah, I, I don't, don't do know that because I'm jack about climate science. Yeah, I don't, I, it's not, <laughs> not what I cover. I believe it's happening because yeah. I believe scientists and they yeah. seem to say that. And I believe Ron Bailey too who says that, and I asked him about it, and he's like, yep, happening. I'm like, all right, cool, we're done. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it doesn't mean that, that every sort of strand of that is true. But anyway, um, but, and by, by the way, which, which I mean that the scare stories, people go over yeah. the top, but the, yeah, yeah. I, the top line thing again in this is true, so, fuck, so stop it. <laughs> um, the interesting thing about it, though, is that if you were to not think about it, if you were to think about it, Meals on Wheels, think about that. Uh-huh. Think about uh, Big Bird and think about, you know, PBS and, you know, it doesn't cost anything, essentially. And then, you know, accept that stuff on the first round, you'd have an easier time. You'd have an easier time because you're saying, like, wh- people would say, wait, whoa, 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 most people don't think about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And they think, wait, well, I don't know why there's some guy who's shuffling papers at X agency who is protected by X union and he gets $200,000 a year and I'm slaving away and doing this and nothing. That's an easier sell than, let's just get rid of PBS. People say like, oh, Meals on Wheels. And again, Scott's piece is really um, interesting and enlightening Mm -hmm. and and complicated because this stuff is complicated. Economics is complicated. Yeah, yeah. I just wonder what it would be like if they led with a budget like this that was formulated for the press response. But I don't think it would matter. You don't think so? I don't think it would matter. You might be right. Yeah, I don't you think it would right. matter because they would find a way to cast it in that way. I guess Which, so. Which, look, at the end of the day, it's not as though they sent out a release that said, we hate, we hate children 
and we don't want them to learn, so we are taking away PBS. Or we hate parks, no, you don't so need we're trying to, to shutter yeah. them all. Yeah. Um, or we don't want to. We don't want you to be able to get where you're going. And we also we completely hate science, so we're taking away money for scientific research. Yeah. Um, but that is the way it is sold. Yeah. There, there is no sort of rational argument for this, and it is what the it is what the articles on sort of the opposite side of cut anything um, suggest. And it's not enough to point out the hypocrisy of Republicans who, as I mentioned earlier, are happy to spend a great deal of money um, on various things that are totally useless. They love federalism the, and then they hate federalism. Yeah, to they support love the Pentagon spending bureaucracy. and they hate spending. But, but let's just acknowledge that, you know, there, there is almost certainly some waste in the Department of Education. In my estimation, the whole damn thing is a waste and it should go away, but we don't have to get <laughs> yeah, into that. Sure. Um, That's a different show. I mean, that 90% of what they do is give away money to people to send, to make, to quote unquote, help them go to college and in, in fact drive up the cost of college. I, I got that from Joe Biden, so it must be true. Uh, but at any rate, <laughs> um, I don't know. That's all we got to say about the That's damn That's all budget. we got to say. I just want you to say it all. I think it's we're finished. 90 minutes in. Yeah, I think we're done. It's Everyone's fine. bored. Um, do you have anything? Did it, Did an idiot write anything that you were paying attention to this week? I had a very uh, no one is busy there, week. Is uh, let me say some, some idiot tweeted this, and I, and I say this with love and respect um, because I like him a lot, and I think he's a very good guy, uh, and he's a very smart guy. But Josh Barrow, um, whom, again, I really like, and I'm, I'm being very clear about that because I, I think Josh is generally not only really interesting, but um, a very decent dude, um, I tweeted something about McDonald's, I had a stray tweet about, um, uh, about Donald, attacking Donald Trump, which they claim was hacked or was somebody that unauthorized access to the account, which seems believable, by the way, in this instance. And they were like, you know, denouncing Trump from the official McDonald's Twitter feed. And uh, Josh Barrow... Uh, tweeted something in response to this, which was like, oh, God, Josh, this is the thing. I was like, do these people, like, not think before they tweet? Josh tweeted, this is a real brand misstep for McDonald's. Fat slobs with bad taste are a core Trump demographic. Oh, Josh, what are you doing, man? He, uh, In fairness, he apologized and said I, it was a really stupid thing to do. Um, and somebody actually um, I tweeted beneath him, which I thought was quite funny, um, said, hey, I think he said, like, you know, I'm black or, you know, I'm an African-American who lives in the city or whatever. And he's like, in my neighborhood, it's all black people who eat at McDonald's, so fuck you. <laughs> and it's like, it's, it's just this, it, it, it perpetuates this idea of a media elite completely out of touch where I, 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 if I walked into my, this is true in New York City and, and people listening out there, I don't know if this is true where you live, but if you walk into my office at lunchtime with a bag of McDonald's, People will look at you like you walked in with a bag of child pornography. They'll be like, "What? You're eating? What? Are you serious?" Nobody would admit <laughs> to eating McDonald's in New York City now, except for everybody who can't afford to live in New York City and lives in like you know the outer boroughs because uh, <laughs> everyone's pushed them out with their fucking quinoa shops, you know. And that's and it's just this perpetuates this idea of like where you 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 uh, you know fat slobs with bad taste. Yeah, it's like, man, come on, Josh. I I, I like McDonald's, by the way. Yeah, this is so. this is the this is the day. This is the show where we, we have to do the tough job of uh, criticizing in some places. In some cases, like feels like kicking while down uh, people that we like. Yeah, um, but I I don't know this uh, this chap Mike who is a writer, screenwriter, podcast host. Um, and uh, drinker and madcap, but he has a piece at HuffPo, uh, which was just shared with me, like just now, uh, by, by a kid named Joseph Grant um, on, on Twitter. 
Um, and this is not some idiot wrote this. It's some some idiot um, and his editor concocted this goofy ass title. Uh, mm-hmm. You can't be socially progressive and economically conservative. The subtitle is because social programs require investment, period. And then the word period, period. Um, that is what does that even mean? It's what it means. <laughs> it, it means all of the stuff that I was just railing against. Yeah, that's, um, that's... that 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 the belief, the belief that this money is being spent well, or at least the intention is apparently all that matters. Um, because people who are fiscally conservative obviously hate children. So they yeah. don't want the government to give money to children or to give tons and tons of money to children because they hate children, not because they think that the government might, in fact, say, waste that money um, and perhaps that it might be better to give that money to someone else. That only happens um, in Zimbabwe and Venezuela. Grants. That's yeah. the only place. Yeah, maybe maybe <laughs> to use block grants, maybe to use some other program sure. to sort of push that funding to the state level. I mean, those are economically conservative perspectives as well. And it's, I, I think it's, it's one of those things where I suspect that Mike, the chap who wrote this, simply does not understand the perspective of the people who he disagrees with, um, couldn't bother to understand, and it is far better to demonize. Um, but e- I will acknowledge that I haven't, I have not read this piece, so that's why I said. <laughs> that's there we go. That's why I said yeah, some, some idiot, idiot wrote this some, title. Some idiot, and his editor some idiot might have wrote this. But if I read might the rest of it, it, I might, I might like it all. Uh, yeah. In which case, I will still criticize you for writing such a stupid title. Um, and, uh, and working I think, for Huffer. I think, uh, I think my, my buddy, I mean, I, I snuck it in there cause I wanted to mention Joseph's, uh, Joseph's piece, uh, which he sent to me. So Joseph says some idiot wrote this right, um, and I, I agree at any rate, um, uh, rate us on iTunes say that we're spectacular. Yeah, um, do that. this was, uh, th- we're almost at episode 50 in a way we kind of are already past it and we're sort of at 52, but I'm not going to go yeah, back yeah, into yeah, why, yeah, yeah, yeah. but in either case, 50 is next week. Uh, we should do something special. Um, yeah, well, this fi- I mean, we'll 52. Shouldn't we do special 52? Isn't <laughs> we'll that see. better? I don't know. Is that better? Why is that better? I don't know. Well, it's a year. We'll figure it out. I don't it's know. It's a year. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Let's, 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 uh, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get drunk. I still think everybody out there, and we're going to leave now, um, but, but there is a good response to the suggestion that we uh, take this on the road and do one episode. Um, next week, I'm going to say one thing in the final thought. Next week, I will uh, be doing um, a couple of reporting things uh, on Thursday in Palo Alto, California, on the campus of Stanford and be around the San Francisco area. Um, the following day might be in D.C. I'm not sure. It depends on if this interview comes through. But definitely uh, Wednesday night, Thursday uh, in that area. I hope I'll stay on Thursday night. I won't if I get this interview on Friday. But either way, if I'm out there... And you're out there, and um, you want to get drunk, and you, know, you have you have to pay for it, though. That's the only thing you got to pay because I fucking schlepped to Midtown every week, fifty times. So, but he loves roofies, so please slip roofies. Roofie my drink. stuff, and I'll yeah. and bring me some drugs. He will totally sleep with you. <laughs> All right, bye. We're out of here. We know of new methods of attack. The Trojan horse, the fifth column.